0: Hello, welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter and our topic today is club root in central Alberta in 2016. We're seeing clubroot show up in varieties that are resistant to club root. So we have tips on how growers can identify that and what they should do about it. With me are.
1: Hi, Dan Orchard, uh, agronomy specialist for north central Alberta with the Canola
2: Council. And Clint Yerke, agronomy director out of the Lloydminster region of the prairies. Dan, we'll start with you. What
0: are you seeing in your area for Clubroot this year? It's a moist year. Is there more of it?
1: I think because it's such a moist year where it's easier to find. Certainly, um, we're in, in areas we expect to find it that haven't uh, fully adopted the resistant varieties there's significant patches um, that are very large and when I go to look at these patches I find that there's symptoms quite a ways outside of the patches that are easy to see so it kind of reminds me how important it is to to look for it even if you don't see it above ground sometimes the the galls can be surprisingly large below ground and ground symptoms just aren't there, so seeing that as well also in areas that have been uh, deploying club root resistance for several years now, um, especially in in the higher infested area, we're seeing uh, the pathogen starting to overcome the resistance of our current varieties, so that's I guess something we expected. It's it's just, I think, more significant acres affected this year due to conducive conditions for club roots. So I think it's really, really important that growers don't get too complacent when they grow a resistant variety and still continue to monitor and inspect for club root and, and uh, keep their equipment as clean as they can and and take the proactive measures to make sure that some of these new pathotypes don't you know end up spreading around like the first round did.
0: So, Dan, we'll get to pretty much all those points at some point, but I want to go back to that comment about having galls in plants where you're not seeing above-ground symptoms. Uh, it would seem to me a good practice to identify those galls so that you can uh, expand your rotation or, or use uh, resistant varieties. But can you give me an idea of how much club root and Clint, you can jump in on this one too if you want to. But even though you're not seeing above ground symptoms, are you still generating a ton of spores or enough spores where the next time you grow a susceptible variety on that field, that you're gonna, you're
1: just gonna get hammered by it? I think so. I I think um, you know from the past experience watching it spread, um, it's it's surprising and quite alarming. You know how quickly it can spread. So. So I do think that some of these fields, if they don't get identified and and extend their rotation, and and certainly start growing resistant varieties, that there could be a massive buildup of spores, and then that's going to put even more selection pressure on the resistant varieties once they are grown. So it's it's really important to identify it early. I, I think growers have had success that have done this in the past and found it early and take an extra year or two break from canola and, and grow resistant varieties and, and that's a good start. Um, also, also, you know, important to mention is that it's not always at the entrance. It's pretty common that it is at the entrance, but certainly, uh, especially this year, uh, there's a lot of areas that don't seem to coordinate with the entrance so it's being you know dropped off from equipment later on in the field rather than the entrance or it's you know blown in somehow or or, or a lot of flooding this spring and there's a lot following ditches and run water runs and things like that so i think it, it it most often will show up at the entrance but it's not always the case and especially with some of the new pathotypes that are appearing in the club root resistant fields um I don't think that the new pathotype is being tracked around or carried around quite yet because it's not real prevalent so it's showing up outside of entrances first so it's a little bit of, of a difference from that first pathotype 3 that we you know determined was predominantly moved around by equipment from field to field so so it's a little different scouting pattern Um, When you do have a resistant variety and I think if it's not kept in check, we'll start to see it appear at entrances in the future Um, And that you know, we'll be moving it around eventually, but for now it's kind of spawning itself I guess in in fields where low areas uh, especially, you know, where Club Root is more favorable. So keep that in mind when out on the swather.
2: And it doesn't, as Dan said, it doesn't take very much um, for for a, a patch to suddenly appear in the field. Like it's uh, like if you consider that that one plant, uh, an infected plant, has the potential to produce like a billion spores. Like that's that's a lot of spores. And and if that plant could could distribute those spores, like if that root broke up and was distributed, like that would that would be enough spores to infect a whole acre. So you can go from just having one plant being infected to having a, a whole acre being infected because the, the the math is simply that you need uh, need about a thousand to ten thousand spores to produce galls on plants and so it, it will I think surprise you in many cases at just how you can have a very low level presence and then suddenly you have a, a big patch in the field that's, that you're dealing with. and. So that's um, something to watch out for because I think that a lot of growers right now are are thinking that well I, I haven't seen any club root so far so I I'm probably good I probably don't have it in my field and, and especially if you're in the central uh, Alberta area then that's maybe an assumption you don't want to make anymore because uh, as Dan says like it it does move more than just on on field machinery like it could be arriving in your farmland without you without you being aware of it so. Now is the time to start uh, dealing with it before you actually find that patch with uh, heavy pressure in your field.
0: So from there, Clint and Dan, let's move on to these growers who know they have clubroot. They've taken measures, um, usually growing clubroot resistant varieties, and are now seeing clubroot again show up in these varieties. Is this a fairly common occurrence now?
1: I I think so, Jay. I think we, you know, we've been saying it for a while that that you know, two two introductions of the same genetics um, or two crops of the same genetics is where you start to see the the selection pressure trying to take over and 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 uh, galls forming. So certainly we're on a lot of places. uh, We're on the third rotation of the same genetics. So I don't think it's overly surprising, just by like I said, the sheer score loads that are produced from from an infection, and and kind of what we're seeing is areas that adopted resistant varieties first, where they had some infestations, are the ones that are are becoming infected. So I think it's it's key to also mention that 100% of of the growers I've visited that have uh, a shift of pathotype that's able to overcome the resistant variety, we're all on a two-year rotation. I haven't come across any fields uh, with this problem that are that are on an extended rotation. So certainly that that is the recipe for uh, breaking this resistance is to have a two-year rotation. Um, even that extra year, and especially two extra years, is is really golden when it comes to to managing club root. I think the spore load drops to such levels that we're we're not getting massive, massive infections. And a little further to Clint's point about how many spores are produced in in, in these galls, what surprised me this year was how decayed the galls are already. So the infection started early and just progressed quite rapidly with the wet conditions, I'm assuming. And when you, when you enter these patches where the, the plants are actually dead and very, very little seed is, is produced, you pull the plants up and there isn't much left for clubs on the root. It's just a little stick that's left because all these galls have kind of sloughed off and, and they're, they're not really attached to the plant anymore. They're stuck in the soil. So when you pull the plant out, um, you know, these millions of spores are, are remaining behind in the field, and you might might not suspect that it was club root that, that even killed the plant because it's hard to identify it at this time of year. So, I found the, the fringe areas of these patches where the plants are still a little bit green and just slightly prematurely ripening is, is easier identification uh, of finding these typical white galls that are large and, and still firm and haven't decayed yet. So um, yeah, it's a little bit surprising to me just how fast it's decayed. And Dan, if
0: they're decaying that fast, does that, does that mean the galls were, were healthy and the spores have been diver, dispersed or into, into the soil? Or is it possible that that rapid decay also means the spores succumb to <laughs> the, the
1: moisture or, or whatever? Uh, I think the, the first thing you said, Jay, that the, the spores have already completed their life cycle, killed the plant. There's no active live tissue to infect anymore. So they, um, yeah, they just complete their life cycle, and part of their life cycle is to become a resting spore, and that's the stage they're in now. is is waiting for another host crop to infect. So I, I don't think that the but the water drown out the spores and kept them from infecting the plants any further. I think the plants have come to club root already and, and like I said, there isn't anything left to attack.
0: You made a good point or interesting point about crop rotation in addition to um, just changing from susceptible to resistant varieties. But um, the, the past conversations I've had about rotation or sort of our earlier thinking usually based on European evidence was that club root lasts for like maybe a decade or more in the soil and crop rotation once club root was there didn't really have much of an effect but but it seems like there's some some new Canadian research that, that and maybe it's just our our cold winters who knows but that the uh, that rotation benefit can, uh, can actually work within a a prey rotation of even one in four years
1: yeah I, I think there's still you know pretty significant evidence that some of the spores the resting spores can remain in the soil for you know like you say 10, 15 plus years, but it's a a very small fraction that that seems to stick around that long, so it's just a matter of mass and sheer numbers you know we're getting spore loads into the 10 million spores in a gram of soil and so even if one or two percent of those are surviving for many, many years, that's still a lot of spores, so keeping the spore load very low and having a long rotation should drop that spore load down to a level that we shouldn't see infection, especially significant infection, And, and it will also reduce the selection pressure that's out there in the field uh, by, a, by a huge huge amount you know maybe as high as 95 or 99 percent. So <clears throat> I, I I think that the research is fairly new. Like you said, it seems that the half life is much shorter than anticipated, and whether it's our conditions or or better ability to to actually monitor spore loads nowadays with the Technology we have, and they're a little more confident that that there's a lot of um, a lot of these spores that are not viable uh, after a two-year break. So, so uh, you know, three-year rotation is is much much better uh, than a two-year rotation. But a four-year rotation even buys you that extra time. It's normal to, to get into that rotation, and possible on your farm, it's highly advised.
2: Yeah and I, I just want to echo uh Dan's uh comments as well just about um like th- those really high spore loads is are really the the biggest threat to um to the canola crop like when resistant varieties came to the market we 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 all in the industry were were cheering about it we thought this is great now we've now we've we've beaten this disease like we've got resistance we don't have to really worry about it and then we we found out quite quickly that no this pathogen is quite remarkable in, in its ability to produce new pathotypes very quickly, and it can respond to uh, resistances very quickly. And so, it it really comes down to a numbers game. Like the better that you can keep those spore loads down to a minimum in the field. The uh, the better off your your uh, the, well the whole situation is going to be but in particular because you, if you have a low spore load in the in the in the field that means you've got a lot less individual resting spores that are present that are capable of overcoming resistance if you have a high spore load like you're in a two year rotation high spore loads just start building up usually because you've grown a lot of uh, non-resistant varieties in the previous years. Now you're you're dealing with a lot of individuals in that field that are capable of overcoming resistance. So it's it's just a numbers game. If you can get those numbers of spores down, then resistance is going to last a lot longer. And and that's still uh, our our best tool: um, resistance and, and rotation.
0: So it sounds like then the this earlier identification of the of the disease. So no, don't just wait for these above ground symptoms, but Dig up a few plants and look to see if you've got galls so that's that's step one early identification uh, if you find them uh, rotate extend your crop rotation um, uh, maybe rotate varieties do we do we know enough yet to make a clear recommendation on variety rotation?
2: Well, the majority of the resistant varieties that are on, present on the market are, are using one type or one class of resistance that came from uh, uh, winter oilseed rape out of Europe, uh, a variety called Mendel, and so the majority of, of, um, of the varieties that are out there have some variation of, of that Mendel resistance, but there are a couple, or well, one new, one new um, uh, variety that is present on the market, which is a, a different and unique one. Um, but for the most part uh, recommending to rotate between different uh, club resistant varieties is, is not a practice that I, I don't think the industry is, is there yet just because we don't have a lot of diversity like there's only one variety I guess that is different from the rest and so in a tight rotation it's it's all going to be the same thing that resistance will fail within a couple of crops or a couple cycles having said that
1: um all, it, it is encouraging to to know that there are already um, new, new genetics being introduced. so we we don't know where they'll be effective necessarily because we we don't fully understand what pathotypes are and and how they're distributed throughout these infected fields. So it's going to take a lot of surveying and a lot of research time to catch up just to find a way to even identify what what strains you have in your field. So, you know, it, it's it's encouraging that there's new genetics. It's it is a little unfortunate we just can't pinpoint exactly where it's going to be most effective, but it, it's a step in the right direction. And I think uh, probably the future will allow us to to identify what's in our field and and what varieties are are best to to manage and and then start rotating uh, between the different genetics. Hopefully we get there before too too long,
0: all right, so growers are checking their fields, hopefully now around harvest time to see what the club root situation is like. if they see the disease what do they what do they do for two thousand and seventeen then or the next growing season? What are their management steps? We've covered some of them,
1: but yeah. I think when you start to find it on your farm, Jay, it's it's in the past that our experience kind of tells us that when you when you get these big patches and and multiple patches within the field, uh, it's fairly likely that it's been spread around to more of your fields. And the issue is that unless you grow a susceptible canola variety, you you don't really know that if it's there or not. So. Uh, Kind of a painful and expensive way to find out if you do have club root is to grow a susceptible variety so if you if you don't know and haven't seen club root on your farm and you deploy resistance on a three or four year rotation I'm relatively convinced that you won't know that you have it and you won't end up with big problems it's that it's that year that it goes undetected or a couple of years because for example this year um, the crops that that are in other crops other or the fields that are in other crops other than canola could certainly have huge spore loads in the soil, but there's not an indicator crop there to let let the growers know what's happening. so so if they um, get a little complacent with that and see the susceptible variety, they they could find out the hard way next year. So I think growers who find patches need to obviously step one is grow resistant varieties. Um, on on all their farms, all their fields um, next year. Whatever's going into canola certainly needs to be resistant variety, And then maybe start to look for plans for the fields that you know have these infestations to to extend rotation, to maybe square off these patches and and even put them to grass if need be, um, and start to manage it that way. You know, even seeding those fields last so so that your equipment isn't uh, carrying around all the soil and and knocking off all the loose dirt that you possibly can when when switching field to field and and uh, even contacting you know local authorities or myself or Clint or somebody that can help kind of talk them through what some of these best management practices are because it will be different for every grower in every field depending on the level of infection uh, what kind of crop opportunities they have um, depending on their region there there may be more options that are economical for other crops than than some other areas, so I think just uh, addressing it not not putting it on the back burner or hiding it or anything like that uh, be open for discussion and and look at some management practices kind of immediately.
2: And this fall as well, uh, there there might be a bit of an opportunity that if you are a producer that's seeing uh, club root galls or a patch in your field for the first time, uh, especially given that this is a pretty wet uh, harvest season and we are going to be tracking quite a bit of mud from one field to another, um, if you have found it in one field, uh, this is an opportunity in which you try to leave that field to to last in your harvest operation and try to minimize the amount of traffic in and out of that field, like if you can only move a combine in there and and try filling up or unloading the combine uh, off to the side, um, like trying to minimize that 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 traffic because uh, certainly uh, you will be moving this this pathogen from that field to other fields in your in your farming operation. So, is
0: there any last word or something that you a key message you
2: need to get across that? we didn't have
0: a chance to talk about yet.
2: If you've listened to the Canola Council speak on this before, then you probably have heard us talking about using resistant varieties even ahead of of finding the disease in your farm as a a way to prevent the disease from establishing itself. But it won't stop it from arriving on your farm, but it it will uh, stop the disease from building up to really high levels, which is certainly what we want to prevent, especially in uh, in the central Alberta area. So uh, resistant varieties are a very good tool even if you don't think that you have club Like it should it will help make your farm uh, more club root manageable into the longer term.
1: I equate it to uh release pitcher, Jay, where you want to put in your release pitcher before the other team hits a grand slam. You don't wait till after if possible. And it's kind of a bit of a guessing game, but I think if a grower has his gear to the ground and and doing a diligent job of scouting that that relief pitcher so to speak will be put in you know prior to the big home run or the huge infestation um, so it, it's important to look for the little clues and tips that you might uh, it might be time to, to put the resistant variety on, on your land and certainly if if people in your community or county are, are starting to talk about reports of club root nearby then then that's time to to make the switch. Thanks, Dan.
0: Thanks, Clint. For more on Clubroot, go to canolawatch.org and in the black banner at the top, click diseases and search for Clubroot. There's lots there. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter.